Hello and welcome to a stripped back version of the Star Blades. There's no Danny Hall this week. It's just myself, Steve Jones, and our in-house Sheffield United expert to talk us through an eventful seven days at Bramall Lane and look ahead to Luton. It's James Shield. Good afternoon, James. I think the first point of order is the news that Adlen Guardiera, if I pronounce that name correctly, is training with Sheffield United. What more can you tell us on that one? Yeah, we uh, we spoke to Slavisa Ikanovic about him during his press conference ahead of the uh, the game against Luton. Adlen's obviously someone that's been spotted around Bramall Lane. He uh, he watched the game against Huddersfield Town last weekend. No secrets there because he posted it all on his uh, on his Instagram account very helpfully. Uh, and it was quite interesting to hear what Yukanovic actually had to uh, to say about him. He confirmed to us at the start that. Yes, the player is at Bramall Lane. Yes, he is training with the squad. And then he just elaborated on the on the reasons why a little bit more. I think it's fair to say that he wasn't the first choice. Ronaldo Vieira was obviously the player that, that uh, Slavisa wanted to bring to Bramall Lane to uh, bolster his options in midfield. But that deal obviously collapsed amid concerns about Vieira's fitness and uh, and conditioning, and we've uh, we've had plenty to say on that, obviously in the in the last podcast. And now, of course, with the with the transfer deadline sort of looming pretty large on the horizon, uh, Sheffield United, who have made pretty poor uh, poor progress, it's got to be said in the transfer market, they have very little time to waste. And I think the uh, the reasons that Yukanovic gave for looking at Adlen. I think they made perfect sense. He was obviously a player that he's worked with before. He uh, he worked with him at Watford. Obviously, uh, Guardiola was part of that promotion winning side that Jukanovic had at Vicarage Road. I think more pertinently, especially with the player obviously being 35 years of age, is someone that Jukanovic has worked with very, very recently as well at Al Garafa, his, uh, his previous club. Now, Guardiola's without uh, a side now. He's left Qatar. And Jukanovic obviously has looked at him. He's looked at the situation. He's looked at the fact they need bodies in the building very, very quickly. I think that is obvious when you, you look at the results and some of the performances. And he obviously feels that this is someone who can, uh, to coin a phrase, do a job for him. He obviously feels confident in the player's fitness. I don't think there's any doubts about his uh his quality. Yukanovic admitted he wasn't his first choice for that particular role. That was Vieira. But as I say, he's got to move quickly. And this is a player that he knows. It's a player that he uh, he clearly feels is fit enough to uh, to make an impression in the in the championship. And of course, this is a division that Guardiola knows really well uh, as well. He's he's played for a number of clubs in in England's second tier. And I think when you look at his CV, although there will inevitably be, be uh, concerns about his age, I think if you look at his CV, CV, he's played more than 60 times for Algeria in some pretty big competitions. I don't think there can be any doubts about his quality. And you know what? As Billy Sharp has shown us time and time again, if you keep yourself in shape, you can actually get better with age as you bring that sort of intelligence and experience to the uh, to the table with you. Are we right in assuming that Guardiola then, if you say he's a potential replacement for Ronaldo Vieira, which didn't come off, is he more likely to be sitting at the base of that midfield to allow some of his teammates to push further forward? I, I, I would suspect so. And that, that was the real disappointing thing about that Vieira deal was, you know, Jukanovic has talked 
at length over the past couple of weeks. And I think it's uh, it's a sign. There's no point in beating around the bush. It, it's a sign of his frustration with the uh, the slow progress that Sheffield United are making in the transfer market. He's talked about how bringing in new players uh, can help those around them. I think confidence is is clearly a little bit of an issue at Bramall Lane right now. And I don't think it was any surprise if you go back to last weekend's uh, game against Huddersfield Town when, despite the fact that United lost in, in pretty sort of gut-wrenching circumstances right at the end of the game, there were signs of improvement. But I don't think it was any surprise that Ben Davis, making his debut after coming in on loan from Liverpool, he's the only new face who's arrived at the time that we're doing this podcast, and Reese Norrington Davis, who of course is a Sheffield United player, was making his championship debut for the club, but spent last season out on loan at Stoke City and Luton Town, who Sheffield United played this weekend. I don't think it was any surprise because they don't carry the mental scars of what was a pretty wretched campaign at Bramall Lane by anyone's by anyone's measure. That they, they were two of the best performers, and. I think bringing in a new player, bringing in someone like Guardiola, I think it would help the players around them. I think what you would see is Oliver Norwood moved out to a slightly wider role in midfield, something more similar to the role that he performed under Jukanovic when they worked together at Fulham. And I think that would that would help not only in a technical sense, but also I think it would, you know, bringing in Adelaine would see Norwood become the player that, again, that we know he can be because he would be able to concentrate and do the things that he's so good at rather than perhaps sacrificing a little bit of himself to play that role at the uh, at the base of midfield. But, you know, where, wherever Jukanovic is looking to play Adelaine Guardiola, wherever he's looking to play Oliver Norwood, John Fleck and Sander Burge, assuming that he remains at at Bramall Lane past the end of the transfer deadline. And I think there's got to be a doubt about that. The other thing that you've got to say is, is they just need more options. They need more bodies in that in that midfield area. And also probably in defence as well. Well, certainly in defence because, you know, the championship fixture schedule is pretty demanding. Well, in fact, it's very, very demanding. And, you know, you're going to pick up injuries. You're going to pick up suspensions over the course of a of a season and Jukanovic has also shown himself to be someone who likes to be flexible in terms of how he approaches a game depending on the opposition and to do that he needs options and those options at the moment I just don't think they're there. Are we expecting any more rivals? I know five was a figure that was mentioned possibly up to two with Guardiola. Have you heard anything else about any of impending arrivals before Tuesday's deadline? Well, Jukanovic has made it pretty clear that he's expecting those players to arrive. He said it again today uh, in his uh, in his pre-match press conference. He was asked explicitly, what is the plan? And he said again, the initial plan was to bring four players in. That became five when Aaron Ramsdale left to go to Arsenal. And, you know, he said quite clearly, yes, I do expect that to happen. I think it's really interesting as well. And this just gives you a little insight into his thinking. And I think it's a, it's a tool as well to put pressure on those above him to actually deliver these signings that he clearly felt he was promised. And, he, you know, he clearly felt that the uh, the budget 
and the uh, and the tools, as it were, to bring these players in were at the club's disposal when he agreed to take the job. I don't think it was the only reason he agreed to take the job. Of course, it's still a damn good job for all the for all the problems that United have got at the moment. But I do think it's interesting that during his first couple of press conferences, whenever you put a name to him, whenever somebody told you that Sheffield United might be looking at this particular player or that particular player. He didn't want to talk about names. He wouldn't talk about names. He would talk about what he was looking to bring to the squad and why he might be looking to bring a particular type of player to Bramall Lane. But the one thing he wouldn't do is talk about absolute individual names. Now, that's changed over the past couple of days, uh, over the past week, couple of weeks, sorry. And if you put a name to him now, he will say, yes, I'm interested in him. Or no, I did look at him, but... I'm not, you know, pursuing that particular line of inquiry now. Now, he won't say so because he's obviously trying to be diplomatic. But I think what we can say is that what Jukanovic is doing there is he's putting pressure and applying the thumbscrews a little bit to the people whose job it is to bring these players to Bramall Lane because he's putting these these names out there now. He's, he's not going into a huge grade of detail, but he is saying, yes, I am in, yes, I am interested in this particular player. And that I'm absolutely convinced. Some other people watching and listening to this might think otherwise, but they won't, they won't persuade me any differently. I think what he's doing there is actually just putting pressure on the people above him to, uh, to bring these players into the building. And it's players that he clearly feels that he needs. That's an interesting shift in his, his rhetoric there. With regard to outgoings, you mentioned that four became five when Ramsdale left, but there's been a lot of talk the last few days, particularly after the Huddersfield defeat, that maybe this group of players has, has gone a bit stale, particularly some of those who, who play up front in the striker roles. And obviously there was a national media report about Rian Brewster's future. Do you think Possibly it is time to, to call time on a, a few a few players' time at Bramall Lane. I think I've said t- the word time a few times there. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and avoid it. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, every squad needs a refresh at some point in its development, at some point in its evolution. You know, if you look at what Sir Alex Ferguson, arguably the greatest manager in the history of British football, although... Personally, I probably would plump for Brian Clough, Sir Alex being a a close second. I'd probably get the hairdryer treatment if I ever bump into him for for saying that. But, you know, he used to to bring in new players at certain points and he used to let other players go. Now, that doesn't mean to say that, you know, it's bad players that you're letting go. Sometimes they just need a fresh challenge as well. And just because they'll go somewhere else and and regain their form and regain their confidence. You know, that doesn't mean to say that allowing them to go was a mistake because if, you, if you'd have kept those players at your football club, you know, they may never, for a whole host of reasons, have sort of rediscovered the form and the, and the confidence that made them the players that, you, you know, that, that persuaded you to bring them to your football club in the first place. So, you know, I don't think there's any any players in particular who I would name individually. But what I will say is I do think this group of players needs a little bit of a refresh. I think that would lift spirits behind the scenes as well. Uh, and I think as well that what it would do, it would, it would accelerate that process of repairing the squad's confidence. Hopefully the win over Derby 
in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday night has gone some way towards doing that. Uh, but I also think it would, it, it, like I say, it would just accelerate that process because it would you you would be bringing in players like Ben Davis, who we've spoken about, like Reese Norris and Davis, who we've spoken about, who don't carry those mental scars from last season. And I think that would give everybody around them a lift if there was a, a few more of those at the football club. I think it's fair to say that after the win on Tuesday, everyone's hoping it can be a, a turning point. Did you see any possible shoots of recovery to suggest that might be the case? Yeah, I did, to be fair. And as daft as it sounds, even though they lost the game, I saw them against Huddersfield Town as well. Uh, I mean, Sheffield United kept possession really well in that game. I thought they, they kept it really well when they had the ball against Derby County as well. The one thing that they're not doing at the moment is translating that possession into, into clear-cut opportunities. And that's clearly something they're going to have to work on. I'm sure we'll go into uh, one of the things that they can, you know, use to to ensure that that's the case shortly in this in this podcast. But yeah, I think there were signs. Slavisi kind of it said after the game against Huddersfield as well that as daft as it sounds, he thought that was the best game they played under under his command, as it were. And I and I don't think he was wrong for doing that. Obviously, in the heat of the moment, a lot of people have laughed at that, and a few people probably had a dig at him about it. But no, I think he was. I think he was right and. It's important that I think Sheffield United's players, particularly when confidence is low, are given a little bit of praise when they do something right. And they're certainly getting that from the from the manager. Equally, they've got to acknowledge what they're doing wrong. And creating more opportunities is, is one of those. I think what you saw as well against Huddersfield Town and against Derby County in midweek is that if they can create those opportunities... They have got a player at their disposal in Billy Sharp who can put those away because I've said it countless times. Sorry, there we go. There's that word again. That Billy Sharp is still, for my money, by far and away the best finisher at that football club. Now, you can argue whether that should should still be the case after two seasons in the Premier League, but he is. And I thought his last two goals... They were both very different goals, but they were classic pieces of, of centre-forward play. Uh, the one against uh, Huddersfield, where he just he felt his defender, as it were, and then just rolled off him and, and finished the ball. The one against Derby County, it was a mistake by the uh, by the visitors' defence, but the, the point was Billy was alive to the possibilities. You know, he kept running. He, 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 he just sort of, you know almost preempted the fact that there, there might be a mistake and he gambled on there being a mistake and that that gamble paid off. And that's something that, for all the fact that I think they they have struggled with uh, what's been a pretty sort of poor supply line of late, that perhaps Sheffield United's other strikers haven't done. And, you know, as much as Billy Sharp remains a key player and a, and a, and a big, big player for the, for the Sheffield United fans, I also think he's an example to those around him as well. And I think there's a few players within the squad who possibly could look at what Billy's doing and think, you know what, I might try a little bit of that myself and I can learn a little bit off our, off our captain here. Obviously, it's, it's Luton this weekend. And before we come on to Luton, it's worth just noting that it took Slav six games to get his first win at Fulham, who obviously were, were struggling at the time when he came in. Uh, and he only won five of his first seven seen at Craven Cottage as well. It's Peterborough, Preston and then Hull after the international break. Obviously, we'll come on to Luton now. Ben Osborne, I believe, tipped Luton 
to be his surprise package in the division this season, James. What do you think, what kind of test can uh, the Blades expect this weekend? Yeah, I think it's going to be a big test. Uh, I mean, Luton are obviously coming into this on the back of a, of a really disappointing result against Birmingham City. So you've got to expect there's going to be a little bit of a, bit of a reaction from them because, you know, they're a, they're a proud bunch of players as well. Uh, you know, I, I, in, in a sense, I think Luton Town are the team that Sheffield United were. They're not, you know, stuff full of, of star names, but they are a team in the, in the true sense of the word. And I, and I think, you know, fair play to, uh, to what Nathan Jones has done there, because I was reading a piece actually earlier this week about two totally different football clubs. It was about Liverpool and, and Chelsea ahead of their game at the weekend. And Jurgen Klopp was talking about his compatriot, Thomas Tuchel, and what a great job he's done at Stamford Bridge. And he said he remembers going to watch a, a, a development game between Borussia Dortmund and Mainz. Uh, you know the the club that Klopp was at at the time, and Mainz being you know one of his one of his former clubs, where Tuchel was uh, was working with the young players, and he he said I decided you know that Tuchel was the real deal when I looked at what was going on during that game. He said, and I realised that Borussia Dortmund had the better players, but Mainz were the better team, and that was the sign of a of a really good coach. Nathan Jones is clearly a really really good coach. Slavisa Ikanovic is clearly a really, really good coach too. I just think what he needs, other than a little bit of help in the transfer market, that I think is absolutely, absolutely non-negotiable. But the other thing I think he needs, and he's going to benefit from, is a little bit of time with his players as well. He's clearly a process manager, and by that I mean he's someone who, you know, isn't going to sort of put players up against the dressing room wall and shout and scream at them and look to get a you know, a song out of them that way. He's someone who likes to go through drills and repetition on the training ground and instill his ideas in a squad that way. I think it's fair to say he's had next to no time to do that. Uh, they can't use it as an excuse because they're into the season now. But Sheffield United, their pre-season was an absolute car crash. Now, I don't think necessarily anyone was to, to blame for that. But... You know, they were supposed to play Braga. They ended up playing Europa Point at Gibraltar. I don't think you can compare those two sides. Their only other pre-season game then was a was a 4-0 victory over Doncaster Rovers. That's, that's one game because there were some behind-closed-doors bounce games that also went to the wall when they had a, a pandemic and some COVID-19 cases within their own squad after they came back from a training camp in, in Spain. Uh, you know, most of the players spent 10 days isolating at home. And then the work that Jukanovic has been able to do on the training ground since, it's obviously all been geared for specific games. And, you know, this is going to sound daft. Uh, and I probably could have chosen my words slightly differently, but the matches have almost got in the way. You know, he's, he's been trying to deliver results, but also get his his message across. And that's why I think this this international break is going to be so, so important for Sheffield United. I think it's absolutely going to be a, a crucial period for them because at least for the first half of that fortnight, Jukanovic can just really, really use his time to drill into his players on the training ground without having to prepare for a, 
specific opposition. He can just take a really broad brush approach, as it were. And I tell you what, usually I wouldn't be saying this because I think the more players that you have going away on international duty, the better, because not only does it expose them to different ideas and, and help their improvement, but it also goes to show you've got damn good players. But you know what? On this occasion, the very fact that there's only going to be a couple going away, I'm actually, on a personal level, hugely delighted about. And I suspect secretly, although we won't say so publicly, I, I, I would imagine Yukanovic and the rest of his staff are probably delighted about that as well because they can they can approach that work pretty much with a, with a full first-team squad. It's worth saying as well that going into the international break off the back of a win, even though the mood around the club isn't great right now, I'm sure it would be far different come Saturday evening if, uh, if they're going in, into that break off the back of a win. We'll leave it at that for this week, but thanks very much for listening. And as always, keep checking the Stars website for the latest news from Bramall Lane. Take care.